Okay, so how do you capture light? And how do you... You know what? I don't know. I, I've been dealing with this for a while, and it's been a while since Angie passed, but as we're approaching the 17th anniversary of the release of Let It Ride, I thought, which was released in 2004... I thought, you know, I need to revisit this. And I think just because at the time when I recorded this episode and I tried to capture all the things that we talked about and try to get it down to its very base, I left out some of the things that Angie and I just kind of talked about. And so I feel... To really capture the essence of Angie, I just thought, here is un- a unedited version of the interview I had with Angie, and, you know, it's filled with me making mistakes and Angie saying brilliant things and loving things and amazing things like she always did, and I don't know, I just felt it needed to um, exist, in this form. So here is the unabridged version of episode 22 with Angie Heaton. I miss you so much, Angie. Thank you for being a part of my life. I could tell you what the song is about, but one time my brother asked me what this song was about because he really liked it. And I told him and he said, Angie, do me a favor. And I said, what's that? And he said, Don't ever, ever tell me what your songs are about ever again. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Headphones on. <clears throat> yeah, let's uh, give that a let's little. Let's fire it up. This is very exciting. Oh, yeah. It makes you want to try again, right? Mm hmm. This makes me want to try again. So, awesome. Hello? Hello. Uh, hey, what's up? I can't hear me, but are you these can't? even plugged in? Oh, no, you probably didn't <laughs> plug them in. That's probably why. <laughs> we could have been doing that all day. Am I supposed to know everything? There we go. You should know some things, but not all things. Because all things would be boring. Maybe. Uh, probably. Well, one, one imagines, yes. So, alright, let me... This is so fancy. Well... It's something, but it's it's fun. You know what? Let's uh, let's scoot you up, scoot your chair just up a bit. Okay, we're gonna scoot my chair up. 
because that's fine. And I'm gonna just edit like crazy, so it's fun. <laughs> yes, because you know you hit these things. Clink clink. Clink He's clink. got these things in here that look like Jenga. They're diffusers. Diffusers. Jenga. They're diffuser confusers. How do I sound? You do sound, I sound good? great. I want to come over here all the time and just listen to my own voice. Okay. Actually, what we can do is put you in the put you in the Vox box. And then you can hear that, and you could do your ASMR, your whole podcast that's nothing but you eating eating nuts and gum. <laughs> that's it. It's just some cashews. <laughs> just throw that in there, and then have like some, that I don't know, and then laugh. get some bubble yum mm-hmm. in there, and just a- AMSR the, the crap out of it. You know, you know I have that thing where when people are chewing... Or crunching that it makes me want to murder them. That's funny that I brought that up. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, like my, I mean... My dad can, like, chew oatmeal, and I'll be sitting across the table from him, and I'll just want to just... Oh, oh my. He knows. he knows. Oh, yeah. So he's it, doing it on purpose, or no? It is Father's Day. <laughs> Am I going to date the podcast by saying it's Father's Day? No, that's fine. I mean, this will come out in about 2034. Like, four weeks. So... It's Father's Day, 2019. 2034, <laughs> yes. Okay. It is a very different time. A time of hope and peace <laughs> and minimal pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, welcome to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. Today, I have Angie Heaton. And today... And we're going to talk about It's Easier When You're Here from the album Let It Ride. And you may know Angie from, as I will try to say some of these bands, let's see, we've got 40 Days. Can I tell you about the bands or do you want to do you want to do that? Do you want to oh. just list them off? Well, I usually list them off, but you know, if you want to do that, that'd be awesome. I think that'd be 40 fun. 40 Days was a band I had in high school with Kurt Bielema. Who also okay. produced and recorded and basically played everything on the Let It Ride album. There oh, you go. I didn't know that. We That's went good. to prom together. Oh. Fun fact. How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should ask. Kurt and I had a great time together. Awesome. So, uh, should I go on to Elysian Field? Please. Um, that was a band that when I contacted the singer um of it that band when i contacted the singer of elysian fields he did not remember me being the very first drummer so that kind of tells you how that was going at that time (laughs) very brief could it be very brief and a very drinky time in my life that was at mizzou i would say i went to mizzou but i was merely enrolled in mizzou at mizzou so I i didn't really go so is this uh and then Catgut? Oh, Catgut was a band with Dean Schwank in it and I can't remember the other guys' names, but Dean Schwank was so cute. I was confused for a minute, so I joined oh. a band. <laughs> he had long hair and drove a Chevy pickup truck. Mm. All right. Do so, you know Dean? I no, I don't he know. He ended up being in the Gentle Tamers. Oh. Okay. Excellent. So, um, and then let's see. So we've got 
El Camino Joyride theme. Oh, right. That's the band in some guy's basement. And I don't remember that band. I don't know why I told you I was in that band. But oh, okay. we recorded a theme song for Allison Davis's. Allison Davis Woods had a radio show on PGU, or maybe it was Weft. Uh-huh. Called the El Camino Joyride. Okay. And so with that, okay, very cool. And then So Few Bullets. So Few Bullets was pre-Corn Dolly with a girl named Lynn Fisher, Amy Gasso, Lynn Fisher, and myself. So Few Bullets. Uh. We were kind of like, uh, well, I better not say. Okay. <laughs> you Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. It was supposed to be so few men, so few bullets. We weren't really man-hating, like... I see. Uh, what do you... I don't know. I don't know what was going on in our head. So few bullets. <laughs> I well, I, th- I think you were pre-addressing some very obvious problems with the uh, patriarchy. How about that? Let's just say... Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. How about that? That's we'll just good. go with we that. We weren't like super radical separatist feminists or anything. I wasn't. Again, a time where I don't remember much of what was going on. Gotcha. So, Corn Dolly. I think that's like, is that your, yeah. I, I mean, that's. I think that's where a lot of people would remember you from, other than your solo work, obviously. But Maybe we should just cut all the stuff we just talked about out and just talk about Corn Dolly. <laughs> Okay, I mean we, we could. Uh, we don't, don't have to. Why don't we just go down this this rabbit hole and then see how it turns okay, out? Okay, that's and then, perfect. Um, and then I can just cut, cut, cut. Mm-hmm. Um, Corn Dolly was, yeah. Uh, Amy from Sophie Bullets and I got together with Wendy and Rachel from a band called Sheila, which I think mm. also Allison Davis was the drummer in that band, and then we decided to form. Corn Dolly. Okay. I just did what people told me at that time. Oh, okay. And you were a drummer at that point, right? I was, so, yes. Yeah. So, um... I was a drummer in all of those bands up until I started playing solo. Gotcha. And then, so, Licorette? Drummer. A uh, band with what was left over of Corn Dolly uh, after the, um... Singer quit the band. Rachel moved, and we had a new bass player in Corn Dolly called named, not called named Matt named. Friedberger, <laughs> and he went on to be kind of fancy in a band called Fiery Furnaces with his sister Eleanor Friedberger. Oh, have you nice. heard of them? I have. That's wonderful. Um. So, it, and it looked like you joined the Tractor Kings for a little bit. And I did. Played Play, some drums. Played some drums with the Tractor Kings. I played on an album called Gone to Heaven. All right. That well, was really fun. I love country music. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And then, of course, you as the solo, Angie Heaton. But your first band, besides the... I guess being solo was with the Gentle Tamers. Right. I had a book called The Gentle Tamers, which was about women who pioneered the West. Oh. And I just really liked the name. So I had this group of guys that I was playing with, and I said, I want to be Angie Heaton and the Gentle Tamers. And they were like, that's cool. And then I told them where it came from. Nobody cared. 
Awesome. Awesome. And that was, and let me remember the, the gentle tamers at the time were, um, was that Josh Quirk and no. Okay. So first incarnation Uh of the gentle tamers was Kurt Bielema and Nick Rudd. No, that's not true. The first incarnation was me on drums Nick Rudd on guitar and Charlie Dold on bass. Okay. And then I think Kurt started playing guitar and Charlie was on bass. And then it was Dean Schwank on bass. Ah, uh, okay. Kurt Bielema on guitar, me on guitar, mm-hmm. and Todd Fletcher on drums. And at one point, uh, Brendan Gamble played drums. Oh my gosh. So after that, (laughs) it was a revolving door, probably because of my unique personality. Hmm. Um, After that, I met Josh Quirk, who is my best friend, and he said, I'll put a band together for you. And he played drums. Bob Watson played guitar, and Josh Walden played bass. Okay. Yeah, I, I think. And I played that, guitar. To be honest, I think that was the first incarnation that I remember seeing. But it might have just been because I already knew, like Josh from, um, oh my gosh, uh, the 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 Brat Pack. Yeah. And um, I can't believe I just blanked on that name. Uh, and then you know, and Bob Watson, you would see over at uh, at like Iron Post playing with. He's just the man. People, yeah, just he's good. All over the place, just playing all these like session-ish people that play. You know that they're used to just dropping in and playing. Well, you should always play with people who are better than you are. Yeah, and these guys are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <laughs> to say the least. you have to you have to accept the fact too that. They also admire you greatly, or else they wouldn't play with you. I'm just saying. They're not playing with me anymore, so... Well, I mean, oh. you upgraded to the fights. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that was a Which, lateral... I mean, you know, there's... It, n- seriously, with the, that incarnation of the Gentle Tamers, Josh Josh, and uh, Bob, that's pretty amazing. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. You yeah. could go in and be like, I want to play Bohemian Rhapsody. And you guys play it, and I'll sing it, and they would just be like, play it. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's how good they are. Uh, one point, Josh and uh, Josh would play Rush songs in between. <laughs> no, maybe that was... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Maybe that was Kurt and uh, Brendan Gamble. Somebody would play Rush <laughs> during songs at practice, and I'd be like, ugh. But I don't hate Rush. Yeah, don't don't hate don't be hating on Rush. No, it's um so I guess thank you and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that we were finally able to like meet and get together and and get this recorded and uh talk cuz you know, I I feel like a lot of people uh ask me about why haven't I interviewed Angie Heaton yet? And if we're not and if they it's not, not that No, I've had a few people. I would say Okay. Granted, it's not a ton of people, but the most people have asked for 
me to interview you. Let's just say that. Well, that's very kind. Yeah. Thank so. you. Thank you to all my fan. <laughs> Nice. So I guess without further ado, why don't we listen to the song? It's easier when you're here. Let's do it. All right. And now we listen. So, so um...
Welcome back, Sven. Hey, welcome back to me. All right. And to you, Angie. Um, Do you think I talk too much? No. I, okay. I, I like it actually when people talk more than I do because you know I'm I'm generally a shy guy and uh, you know I'm gonna do an interview of you for your podcast okay okay later we'll do that yeah okay good because I'm like should we do that now (laughs) okay (laughs) Sven Um, and I go way back so he knows that I have some attention issues what, I'm like what, drifting already. You have what? Attention. For for, for what? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, what? <laughs> but that's all right because I also have um, difficulty staying um, squirrel focused. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. Then it's easier um, when you're here. Thanks. Well, I mean, I'm sure that the uh, the podcast would be, hopefully the podcast is easier when you are here, <laughs> or else it'd just be me making guesses about why this song came about. So, let me, I guess, let me just start off with, uh, and I know that this song goes back a ways. This was released in 2000, 2001? Eh? I have no idea. Wait. Oh, good. Because it has the tiniest type ever on it do you need your readers uh, i need my cheaters um Can no I, but like, just move this around and like yeah i mean it's good i don't see a date on this what but anyway i, I usually don't even talk about the date but i was just like this is actually this is probably one of your uh, this is an older release and um most people like to talk about um it's timeless yeah, they like to well they like to talk about the more recent song that they've written. So um let me just ask, is is this something that started out with guitar chords or did you already have some words and I mean what what brought this song about? Funny you should ask. Uh since this is what this podcast is about. <laughs> I love you, Angie. And I've not thought about it at all. <laughs> Uh, it's easier when you're here. Um, you know what? It just came to me that inspired. What inspired this song was there was a band called. What were they called? What were they called? I, I can't even think of the guy's name that was in. Oh, I got it. Love Cup. Okay. Do you remember that band? I don't. I need. To, yeah, I need to. Is it? I'm guessing it's a local band. Then it was, it was a local band. Okay. And we're going to have to edit. Let me Google, and then you can edit it. Okay, sure. Because I would be so embarrassed that I didn't remember this guy's name. But he had a song, and in it said, I think it said, it makes me want to try again. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't remember, but a lot of my lyrics are like uh, borrowed from other people. I wouldn't say it's plagiarism. No, it's definitely, you're very referential, that's for sure. I reference Bob Dylan sometimes, and I reference um, just songs I've liked. And I even wrote a song once about, that was just the titles of the names of songs that I liked and made a song out of it. Oh. I would say nothing is original. And I've heard before also, like, if you steal something, it's already been stolen twice. Probably. I would agree with that. Easily. 
Um, uh, yeah, the Love Cup band. Okay, so let's just say there was a band called Love Cup. Uh-huh. And somehow this song was inspired by Mark Baldwin was in that band and uh, TJ Harrison was in that band. Wow. And I can't think of who the drummer was, but they were a great band. And somehow the lyric was inspired by them. All right. Let's just cut all that part out. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. No problem. <laughs> okay. We'll see. I'll, I'll make it real pretty. Again. So, okay. So, when you started this song, was it something that you were playing on the guitar or did you have the words or did you have a melody or how did, how did this song come about? A lot of my songs are, they just kind of come out of me. So I will be playing some chords and then likely a lyric will come out. A lot of my songs are written right in that moment. Most of them. Uh-huh. But I'll have ideas of like lyrics that I've heard before, lyrics that I've wanted to use. But most of the time, it's a surprise to me what comes out. I could tell okay. you what the song is about, but one time my brother asked me what this song was about because uh-huh. he really liked it. And I told him and he said, Angie, do me a favor. And I said, what's that? And he said, don't ever, ever tell me what your songs are about ever again. Oh, no. <laughs> Because I think what it was actually about ruined it for him. Oh, I don't know. I think that's it's it's interesting. Actually, <clears throat> I think that I found I'm more interested in when it's when the actual meaning or or the basis for the song is completely different than what I imagined. I think that just opens up the whole multiverse of what. Uh, our existence is right so it's it's like we're taking multiple interpretations of the same words or same musical intent but it it means something different to each person and i think that's a lot more fascinating than oh this is very very obvious exactly what this song is about and that's just been my experience so far with with this podcast is just hearing the different stories and how they come about well, ultimately, I would say this song is about people coming into your life that help you to live better. Like, it's easier mm. when this person is in your life, or it's easier when this person is in your life. When I was writing it, I was trying to get sober. Mm-hmm. So, I was all messed up. Like, I had been drinking pretty heavily for many years. Yeah. And... It was about, it's about three different things, mostly three different people who inspired me to stay, to get and stay sober. Yeah. Well, it make you want to try again. Exactly. Yeah. Over and over, you know, but yeah. So, uh, I mean, is there, so this song came out of that that decision or you were already you had already made that decision to get sober was that 
I mean, how do I, I don't even know. Half the time, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to ask, but I, I know I have a good idea in there somewhere. Who are the three people? But, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, that's, you know, really this, this, I try to ask open-ended questions, which is funny because they usually start out pretty open-ended and then I start like trying to clarify what I meant and then it gets more and more closed. So that's not good. But, um, I just, uh, I, I don't I don't know if that's something you wanted to talk more about or, or elucidate on at all or just well I can tell you what I told my brother okay and uh, he said you know he said Angie what's it's easier when you're here about, it's easier when you're here about and I said well one day I went to the gym and he said okay <laughs> yeah and I said there was somebody working out on one of the machines that I could tell was struggling with something. Uh-huh. You know, with like uh, probably an eating disorder or an exercise disorder or some kind of addiction, too. It was very apparent to me that this person was struggling. Hmm. Whether they were or not, I have no idea. But in my mind, I thought they're struggling. And I was struggling. And my girlfriend at the time got me into working out, and we would go to this gym every morning at like six o'clock in the morning and i hated it i hated having to be accountable for you know my health or to my girlfriend to get up and go to the gym every day and when i would watch this person who i could tell was struggling i was like i'm struggling too but she was always there and uh it it was easier for me it was easier for me to work out because that person was there. Hmm. Like somehow it gave me inspiration oh. or that it felt like um, there was a reason to be there. There was a reason to get better. There was a reason to keep going. Wow. And I felt like I was getting better and I felt like maybe she wasn't. I, I don't know. I don't even. Yeah. Well, that that <laughs> well that rolls into that uh, that line of I had a dream that one of us started living and the other one just tried. Right. Yeah, but I wasn't sure like who was who, you know, at the time. Right. Right. Wow. And then when I was getting sober, I met some other people that were doing the same thing, and and just having people around you that you know, it's like, hey, everything's not unicorns and rainbows. You know, it's like. We've been there. We know you're struggling. We're struggling too. You know, it's it's just that's what makes me want to try and get. Yeah. It sounds so dorky to talk about it. No, actually I'm I'm surprisingly well no, I don't know, not surprisingly, but I am I'm like touched cuz it, it I think I don't know if you ever got a chance to hear the first episode of this podcast where Elizabeth Majerus and I kind of sang your praises. But I did listen to it. Okay. <laughs> I but did. I mean that's and the I thing is you, that we we both said, you know, there's there's something that's so simple about some of the words that you write, but they always come with like they always are there's so much to unpack with each of your words and I just um you could you could take all of your lyrics at, at face value and it's still a wonderful song but like the deeper meanings that you can tell contextually um just kind of it's like a it's like a fine 
I was going to say like a fine wine where it just like it has it has it breathes a little bit. It just gets better and better. So, um, but I really I, I really appreciate that you're you're opening up about what this song is about. And I think it's interesting. And I'll probably never tell you how you changed mine. It's like that person you probably never you probably don't even know who that I person's do, name is. I do know who they are. And I did meet them. It was weird because I would be around town and i would see them and finally i sort of befriended this person but yeah they have no idea that i thought that or anything and right. plus i talked to everybody they just probably thought it's weird angie you know whatever <laughs> but i appreciate that but i have you... no idea where they are now you know and right uh you know that part about when you look into a stranger's eyes and you realize that you recognize, don't you think that's true? It's like when I remember when I met you and I thought, Oh, you're part of my soul group. Do you remember me? telling? I remember you, you telling me that, but I, I, I don't, I, I thought that that was something that kind of came up later in our relationship, but it's, it, it, it I, now I'm realizing that maybe you had thought that originally and just didn't want to scare me off maybe probably, <laughs> probably. but do you know when you were uh, you were very vulnerable person not vulnerable but like no, you can get vulnerable i hate the word yeah. vulnerable because it's so oh. like so like i don't even know right now it's like everybody's feeling vulnerable and getting vulnerable and uh i just remember talking to you and you told me some pretty heavy stuff about yourself and you know, about what was going on in your life. And mm. I think that that's what, that's what I see. That's what I need to see. I'm terrible at small talk. Mm. I don't ever want to talk about things that people, that I perceive people my age, women my age want to talk about. Handbags. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, well, I, I yeah. Um, I have to get deep with people. I have to know, like, what, Maybe that's kind of morbid, but like I have to be like, what's wrong? Like, not what's right, but like, let's talk about what you've been through. What's made you stronger? What are you doing today? What's the solution? Well, it's it's more it's more substantive that mm -hmm. it's like that it's it's the it's it's the guts of the matter. It's not and and I almost think maybe it's harder to now. What about explaining? something that is good about your life and and getting to the nuts and bolts about that i, I mean i think good. that's i think that's it's good. harder to do it's harder to do and there's so. so much good now but i think at the time like until recently it was really hard for me to see you know what caused joy what produced hmm. joy yeah that's why i can't write a song anymore either is because i'm too happy now I can't write I can't write a song because all my songs are sad. Oh. Do a podcast on that. Well, aren't we doing that right I now? Guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I feel so I vulnerable. Of, I Yeah, I I do I do miss uh, I don't know. It's it's like it, if if I have depression, it it takes it takes the form of I don't feel anything mm. rather than I feel something. But that and usually when that happens, you know, when it used to be that I felt terrible, it was like wow, I could go and do something really artistic, 
and like dig that out and then I'd feel better. And that would feel better than just being numb and being like, I got to get out of this. Well, let's, let's kind of half ass a song or some art to see if you could dig yourself out. But she just can't from numbness. You can't dig yourself out. I don't feel maybe that's just me, but no, I think that that's, that makes sense. I did write one song last year. Sweet. Accidentally dated. I, I decided I wasn't going to date anymore. And my, really, my life has gotten so much better. Thank you for asking. But I accidentally dated last year when I was living in Minnesota. And How my heart work? hurt. And then I could write a song. I wrote one song. Oh. So. You didn't ask me if I've been writing songs, but I'm just no, telling please. you about it. But so, how does one accidentally date someone? Oh, it's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> I I would assume that that takes what, lots of skill. What happened was somebody started paying attention to me. Uh huh. And then I was like, oh, we're gonna be friends. And then it was like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I probably shouldn't dig too deep into that. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you need and whatever you're willing to share. Um, I I guess. You know, so what is your your songwriting like? How do you how do you start with a song? Do you you know? I mean, how does that? It's it's. You said that it just kind of comes out of you, but is it? Do you do you usually have to have your guitar in your hands when you're putting it together, or does it just kind of pop into your head and you just kind of hum something? Or well, since we have iPhones now with notes. I can get a oh. lyrical idea and then make a note of it. And then I'll try to write around it. That doesn't work for me. Like, it, mm. it is literally... I have to have the guitar, and then I mm. write a song. And uh, I always joke that it's like hashtag funny, not funny, but all of my songs are about crushes and death and being crushed to death. Mm. <laughs> And they are. They are about crushes and death. So if no one's dying and nobody's paying attention to me and I don't get a crush, then uh, the well is dry, Sven. Oh. Well, I I keep thinking that when you said that, it just reminded me of the Julian Baker line where she says, I wish I could write. Uh, I wish I could write songs about anything other than death. Ugh, I love and her just, so much. Yeah. I don't know that line, but I really do like her. Um, yeah, I'm trying to... It's it's off of the Sprained Ankle album. I, God, I hope I'm right. <laughs> I hate when I'm like, this wrong. is exactly what it is, and then I say it wrong. Do you but listen to My Favorite Murder? I do. You could do a corrections corner. Corner, corner, corner. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes, I, I'm, I'm about... I think I'm about 15 episodes behind right now, but I, I, you know, I've got a lot to listen to. Did you buy the book? I did not buy the book, but it it did. It's come out now, right? It has. I've bought three copies. And then when I was reading it, it said buy three copies. And I thought done. I gave one to my dad for father's day. He's really excited about it. Oh, does he also likes my favorite Mm -hmm. murder? Yeah. Excellent. We go on road trips and we listen to, my favorite murder excellent no he's not he's not the one that called it the the f word uh, murder murder cast was it no <laughs> you've never written into uh hometown have i you? have but they've never read oh. my 
And plus, uh, it's touchy. Oh. You know, hometown murders are kind of touchy. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a murder. I mean, if you found something in the walls, of course, <laughs> you know. Oh, Not yet. Okay. Or what's the other one? Like just I did any? write about uh, that time. I don't know if you saw that I got a letter from my grandma. No. So last year I got a letter from my grandma. And this, um, <laughs> and my grandma's what? been deceased since 2001, I think. No. And it, what, I know a mail carrier in town, and she Facebook messaged me and said, do you still live at this address? And I said, no. I can't remember if it was right before I moved or had moved. And she said, I have a letter for you. And I said, that's weird, like, uh what it who's it from and she said it's from antoinette heaton who was my grandmother oh my goodness and i said well she's been dead for, for how however many years yeah. and it was postmarked like 1996 what i know oh my gosh and it just happened it just showed happened. up <laughs> it just um. showed up and it hadn't been opened and it was this it was like a sticker and it had a had a turtle on it and it said thank you oh what was the question <laughs> there was no question but I, I i mean we were just talking about originally like the 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 song the writing songs and then we just kind of devolved into the the great stuff that that's happening that we in my life. listen yeah so oh uh, well like there was a point to telling that story though well i think it started when uh, you, you said like you write songs about death and then crushes and then getting crushed to death and then I said and then I brought up Julian Baker and then we just couldn't remember and then corrections corner and then we went to my oh. favorite murder wow I think I'm actually reconstructing oh, oh, our conversation oh, 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 right 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 good job <laughs> okay so that's what I wrote into my favorite murder about oh, wow. was that I had gotten a letter from my grandma thank you because I was starting to worry that I was losing my mind a little no. which I am but I, I, th I, you know, if you can end up in a very strange conversation later that you're like, how the hell did we get here? I, I kind of like that a lot. Like it's, you got less concerned about the purposes of talking and more about just talking. And I, you know, I, I hope that I can at least do that a little bit with this podcast because it's should be about a conversation and gosh how long have we known each other easily i think at least 20 years maybe maybe i don't well i i know that i've i saw you about 20 years ago where I think, did we meet that's a very good question but i does anyone uh, know where sven and i met i uh, okay oh no okay yes okay there it is okay so <laughs> I know that I saw you in 99, but it was when you played for like Borders, Border Fest. Oh, okay? yeah. Borders. And so I, Borders, yeah, Borders that's, Fest. That's how we and met. Then, and was you worked there? I did. I did yeah. work there. Borders, man, that was a great gig. You could play for one hour, maybe two hours, and you would get $75 and a $100 gift certificate. Is that why they went out of business? <laughs> I did not know that they did that. I just all I know is I I hung my art up there once and didn't get a dime. So, you know, there it was. <laughs> yeah. But as an employee, I'm sure that might have had something to do with it. I don't know. 
but um wow i miss borders yeah i'm sure borders misses borders poor borders yeah um but uh no i, I guess should be, so how did you get get the album like let it ride like recorded and you know how did you well i was uh very depressed during this process and i was working with kurt bielema again who is amazing mm-hmm. and he was going to record this album for me and i was sleeping a lot um i was heartbroken so the songs were like yeah. coming out let's see let, we have a copy of it right here i can tell you which songs are about godspeed the plow to, I mean, we could just go Moth versus Flame. Mm. All of it downed the Cheap Trick cover. You know, they talk about yeah. suicide. I mean, it was very depressing. There's some not depressing songs on here, but uh, I was heartbroken. And Kurt said he would record this record and he was working on it all the time and I was working on it hardly ever. And I remember that I would go to his house and I would like lay down on the floor and kind of sleep or not sleep. Like I would just Mm. be like depressed and he would be plugging away. He did like 99% of that record is Kurt Bielema. And I played acoustic guitar and sang, but everything else is him. It's a drum machine. He played guitar, bass. Nice. Yeah, that's. Isn't it just neat that his own, I guess, fortitude to want to get that done, but knew that it would mean something really special to you, uh, just just to bring something into an existence that, you know, would mean something to you. And I'm then, forever grateful to him because I'm sure I wasn't like the best person to be around at that time. And he worked so hard. He's a great songwriter, too. Have you had him on your podcast? I have not. I have not. I've, I've asked self. him. He is on. He is on the the short list. But yeah. yeah, yeah, he's so talented. He really is. Yeah, actually, it was funny. I I asked him a while back, and he's just like wanted to just talk about one of his instrumental pieces, and I was like, oh, can we get some words in there? But anyway, so he's that's, a Libra, con- a Libra oh. man. All I need is a Libra man. That's what Edie Beale said in Grey Gardens. Oh. oh. Didn't you just get back from the... No, I went there. It was a memory. Oh, okay. I went okay. to Grey Gardens a couple of years ago with my dad. Yeah. We probably listened to My Favorite Murder. Excellent. I'm Very obsessed cool. with Grey Gardens. Yeah? So what what, what brings that... Yeah. Crush. It's like a life... It's like a... Like a soul crush I see on Big Edie and Little Edie and Jerry Torrey the Marble Fawn who is now my friend what? okay so Jerry Torrey wrote a book called The Marble Fawn of Grey Gardens everyone who's listening should buy it three copies three copies (laughs) and he wrote a book and I wrote him a letter and I just said you know your book really changed the way I watched Grey Gardens and made me think of the mother more I was always very focused on Little Edie. Mm-hmm. And after I read Jerry's book, I was focused more on Big Edie. 
and he wrote back and then I said hey I'm gonna be in New York can I take you to lunch and he said sure and I took Jerry to lunch and now we're friends I love wow him. that's crazy how did you do that? That's, that's nuts. Hey, it never hurts to ask. Wow. Well, and oh my goodness. So, I guess is there anything else you'd like to? Because you wrote some things down, I guess, about oh, I this song to tell or whatever. You some fun facts about not oh, this yeah. song in particular, but other yeah. songs on the Let It Ride album. Are, Let's do that. Um, my friend Gina Villalobos sang back up on some songs, and I would encourage everyone to check her out. And LP. Mm-hmm. sang back up on Downed and Godspeed the Plow. And that's cool because, I mean, LP is rocking it right now. She is the that's hardest amazing. working woman in show business. Wow. And Nielsen Hubbard, a great songwriter. Wow. Who was one of my favorites at the time. Still love him. Don't really know what he's up to, but he sang back up on some of those songs too. So how did that come about that that they they ended up singing backups and they were coming through town well lp and nielsen were playing shows locally while i was working on it i think it was already in the mastering process no not when nielsen when nielsen recorded he was at kurt's house but i think lp actually went to the studio when adam schmidt had a studio in the back of parasol oh wow okay lp sang backup vocals there i think and so did gina that's amazing so yeah just ask you know sure why not asking you shall receive who said that a a lot of people i think it was jesus (laughs) maybe i mean i i've said it i I said it like last week but But it's true asking you shall receive yeah so i guess then um do do you think about you know there's there's a lot of people that and and maybe I'm putting you on the spot too but this is also I'm saying this as a friend too um i think it's amazing that and and i almost feel like i don't want to should you but i'm also like it'd be cool if if you you focused on this for a little bit is the idea that um although Sometimes you really don't believe in yourself. There's a lot of people out there that really believe in you and really love the music that you do. And that, you know, um, I, I ran into some of the fights yesterday at Cobra Fest and it was, it was really like to just gushing about you and, and your, just, just your songs and, and what it means to them and that kind of thing. And just, I, I hear about people that, you know, are now famous that, that wanted to sing backups on your thing. And like Kurt putting so much effort into your own work that, you know, to, to complete let it ride. I just think that that's amazing. And sometimes, I don't know, maybe I'm just saying this. I just feel like, um, it doesn't hurt to, to, remember that and focus on it so i'm just i appreciate that because i kind of quit uh writing or playing shows locally when nobody was showing up you know what i mean like uh, when your friends stopped showing up 
it might be a good time to stop <laughs> saturating um, the market. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, and, I, uh, and we didn't talk about the fights, actually, did we? No, we haven't. We should talk about them. Okay. And not to change the subject, because I appreciate that. No, that's fine. And I know it's not all about... I know I know that there are people who appreciate my music, and, and I appreciate that. I really this do. guy. This guy mm-hmm. right here. And I love you for it. I love you for <laughs> it. But, I'm, you know, I've never done... I've never played music to, like, impress anybody or to hmm. make money. I just do it because it's fun and it stopped being fun. And I played a show at the Resist Art Show, Art Fair, Resist mm-hmm. Art Fair. Yeah. And I decided that I would play again. It had been a couple of years. And I played a solo show and Cole and Nick from the fight showed up. Mm. And, you know, they're like cool guys, I think. Yeah. You know, they're like young, oh, yeah. hip country guys. Love that. And yeah. uh, I had left, I think I had moved to Minnesota, or maybe I was somewhere, and Jeff Merritt gave me a copy of the Fights record, and I loved it. But I played that show, the Resist show, and those guys showed up, and I thought, oh, that's so sweet of those guys to come. Mm-hmm. And Cole afterwards said that he cried during two of my songs, and I thought, wow, you know, unexpected. Right? <laughs> I yes. was like, I cry about my songs all the time, but <laughs> uh, but that was very touching for me because I think, like, when I cry, when I hear a song, that's a good song, right? Yeah. And he said, well, what do you think about if you played with the fight sometimes, sometime and we could be your backing band? And I was so touched. I was like, yeah, I would love that idea. I thought they were just being nice, though, because that's oh. how I thought, you know, why would they want to do that? But I went home, and I called my parents and told them, and then I called um, my best friend, Josh, because mm-hmm. we had talked before. He's yeah. so busy with music, he doesn't care, you know. He does me a favor to play with me. And then I texted some of my friends. I'm like, the fights want to play with me, you know. And yep. I didn't think it would happen. And then Cole texted me and said, what about hog shoot? I'm like, let's do it. And we got together and practiced three times. Holy cow. Yeah. You know, and I think they practiced once before I met with them. But they learned the songs and they're so good. They're so good. And it was fun, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. I want to do that some more. Because I was not having fun. I by that time, I was like, uh, by the time I quit playing shows and I moved to Minnesota to uh-huh. be the nanny, uh, I was, I'd played one show and I thought, why would anybody do this? Why would anybody do this mm-hmm. to themselves? I had so much anxiety and I was like, what kind of egomaniacal asshole, can I say asshole on this? Oh, yeah. Egomaniacal asshole Actually, it's required would do this. It. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, ugh. I mean, I felt terrible. I'm sorry. That's, no, that's not great. <laughs> you know, when I hated myself. And do you ever feel like that? Like you're getting ready to play and you're like, why would you do this? Uh, only only out of nerves would I be like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. Why would anyone want to do this? Like, this is this is me stretching myself beyond what I should be 
So I don't know. I, I, I'm sure I have a definite difference of you don't uh, have perspective. The, you don't but, have the self hatred. <laughs> well, it's just let's just say it's different because um, I I've got enough of that. But I I I kind of feel watching you play at the hog shoot. I I was just I I remember thinking, gosh, I cannot believe how like comfortable and like in your element you seemed up on stage that was because it was in a barn and i got to wear cowboy boots oh all right but you know that was the first time i hadn't been nervous playing probably ever really probably ever in my whole life that is amazing oh you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah what liquor up played a show once it was the only time i drank and played music my whole career i always just drank after and all i remember is that we played two songs well one song twice and then matt was mad huh but after that i got sober of course but I, i mean my nerves were a wreck playing shows wow I didn't, but I didn't really, yeah. That hog shoot, not nervous. Had a great time. Ready to, That's ready to roll, guys. Let's do it. That's, I, yeah. I, it felt, it felt too, very, aren't they? they're pretty yes, cute. Yes, very much so. And they, and the thing is that they all, um, love and trust each other. I mean, that's what I feel like that they, not only do they, I, I feel like each one of them would probably like completely trust the other with their lives but they also would trust them with their music which is you know it, it maybe that's over dramatic but i also the way that they're able to interact and and i feel like they are not afraid to just be like look this is an idea that i have let's let's play with it and there's not there's not a lot of bands that are completely I don't know, don't feel safe enough or I don't know how to explain it better than that, but just like that, that they're willing to be open with each other. And I, I get that sense every time I've been hanging around them and, and it feels like they just, they brought you into the fold, like instantly. Yeah. It was like, I make them call me mommy. Yes. I don't really make them call me mommy, but, um, I, I feel kind of like their den mom. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I would I would protect them, too. Yeah. I met them like 10 years ago, maybe longer than that. One of them was dating a friend of mine. Uh-huh. Ish, kind of. Ish. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what was going on. But uh, we went over to their house, and they all lived together. And they're like, they're like brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just pretty amazing and then dave dave pride yeah Yeah. he's a good guy he wasn't in that he's like he's a little bit older than them too those guys are like 30 yeah oh i know (laughs) i know i feel i feel old very old older than the sun i don't know anyway when i was your age (laughs) so um gosh i feel like i could just talk to you forever and ever and ever and let's ever let's do it okay um so <laughs> let's just think about 
So when did you move to have you when did you move to the Champaign Urbana area or have you always lived? I moved to Champaign Urbana after that little year in Columbia, Missouri. And my parents told me I could go somewhere to quote unquote rest mm. or I could go live with my brother in Champaign. Ah. I think I said what's behind door number three. <laughs> But I ended up moving to Champaign. That was 1989, and I haven't left. I left for a few years. Well, you know, I worked at Parasol Uh Records for 17 years. And after that, I moved to Maui. Kind of did a back-and-forth stint for two years. I was a tech-savvy gay butler. Nice. For some friends of mine who live on Maui. And after that had sort of run its course, I didn't do anything some friends of mine were like uh if we ever have kids do you want to be our nanny and i was like yeah awesome and then they actually had a kid Uh uh-huh and i became the nanny and we moved to minnesota for two years excellent and last year we came back and now i live here again amazing so yeah oh how has i mean you've been around long enough that you can you know remember when the blind pig was the blind pig and how how has the music scene changed in the time that you've been here like initially you said you moved in 1989 well it was there was a lot going on in the music scene in 1989 uh there was mabel's and i was just old enough to get into the bars uh, that summer you had to be 19 to get into the bars i don't know what it is now but bands came from all over the country in the world for that matter to play at mabel's and then later uh the blind pig opened i don't know Uh and then a lot of indie bands like indie rock started to well, maybe indie rock was already happening, probably. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the, I started to pay yeah. attention to it. And I was in bands and we would play at the Pig. The The original Blind Pig was amazing. I'm sure the new Blind Pig is amazing, too, but I don't drink anymore. So, But it's not. There's it's a cat. Not, I think there's a cat. In the the brewery, brewery, yes. Yeah, so. um, but it's not necessarily the same as... Uh, it's a, not like it has a big stage. I think it's where Cowboy Monkey is now yeah so that that is definitely it was amazing i drank a lot there uh had i mean we had a great time and that's a time when bands were getting signed and right. uh poster children got signed home got signed um hardvark menthol which was mother at the time great band mother right um oh my gosh oh hell yeah Love the I love <laughs> loved mother, and um, what were and then the high dive was a great venue, right? Yeah, that was that was like early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not fair to ask me really what the music seems like now because I'm, I mean, I'm forty eight now, so okay, and I don't get out very much. Well, I go to bed at eight. Oh. I usually shoot for like nine, nine thirty, so that's good. I'm a ten hour sleeper. Oh, 
So <laughs> you, early Spend early gigs bored to death of a spin no, 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 right er, now. No, early early gigs for Angie for anyone that mm-hmm. wants to know. It's true. So, yeah. It's true. I had the best slot at Hog Shoot. We played at like six. I was yeah. probably in bed by eight thirty. Nice. Yeah. On oh. a Saturday night. If you oh. want a party, call me. At two in the afternoon. <laughs> yes. I get that. I totally get that. I love I I yeah. If I had one of my favorite non-musical things would probably be sleeping. Oh I, yeah, and my actually favorite. my favorite thing of all time is just being lazy. I love being lazy as much as possible. And unfortunately, I can't be lazy efficiently until I've taken care of the things that I've got to take care of. So when I can get those things done, I'm like, "Yay, I get to be as lazy as possible." Like so. animals and a wife. Yes, well, I was thinking more of like yard work and doing a podcast and all these things, because I also feel like I need to have things that certain things exist, like this podcast. I love it. So, yeah, so I mean, I guess we we kind of chatted about the the music scene and, and, oh my goodness, I mean, uh, so much, so much to scrape out of your brain that I'd love to, but I, I feel like let's stay on target. Um, how about what, what is your favorite non-musical thing? I'm going to go with sleep. Sleep. All right. I'm going to go with, let's fist bump to that. Can I have a couple non? Yeah, absolutely. Bring it up. Bring it up. Um, I love colored Christmas tree lights. Colored. Okay. (laughs) I love gray gardens. Excellent. I love Marianne Williamson. Okay. Who happens to be running for president. All right. Well, tell us about Marianne well, Williamson. Well, just go check out com. I'll okay. leave it at that. What else do I love? I love cats. Cats are my favorite non-musical thing. So, do you have any favorite cat stories that you'd love to share? Well, I don't really... Uh, you're not a story collector of cats? No. I do own the domain name Cataddict, which I don't know if it makes sense, but like oh. a cat addict. Yeah. Because I was going to just have a website of all things cats for sale. Oh. Like a little thrift store yeah. for cats. That'd be great. Let's get on that. And, uh, <laughs> but like, you no. know what? I'm Moving on. Cat, I had a cat, Dale. Mm-hmm. I had her for 19 oh, years. Yeah. I loved her. She was my best friend. And I can still feel her jump on the bed. I think she's around. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Leslie had, um, we had a dog for eight years. We had Fred. Do you remember Fred? He was like a big, huge, hundred pound dog. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but then he, he got cancer and then, um, we, uh, yeah, he, he passed on and then. Um, but Leslie used to uh, remember, like she would be like half awake, and she would feel him like on her chest, and I think they are you know? around. So I mean, I totally get that. Of course, he didn't visit me or anything. No, but well. Le- Fred was Leslie's dog for sure. Like they had that connection, and Leslie has a way of connecting with animals in a way that 
it's like it's just that one-on-one connection and there's nobody else in that relationship it's just mm-hmm. this bubble it's just like kind of neat. Uh, it's like sometimes in our lives we find someone we don't know uh-huh. but something deep inside tells you they're part of your whole and you look into a kitten's eyes or a dog's eyes and you realize you recognize do you believe in reincarnation I don't know what I believe, but I do believe that there isn't necessarily an end to what we consider as, as our little, our, I don't know, our little meat pockets that we Gross. run around in. <laughs> you know, so, I, that just I know. I, me <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. No, I don't know. Our, our little flesh castle that, that our soul in, inhabits Yikes. or our consciousness i don't know i mean I it's know, like, like right we're this saying. we're like this this animated yeah we're this animated collection of cells that has something more than just the neurons i don't know i guess that's how i always feel about it and whether that's accurate or not i don't know but does it really matter because either i'm going to be dead one day and nothing or i'll be dead one day but something else so let's you know. write a song about that okay let's okay I'm, I'm just gonna reach over here grab a bass <laughs> you can have the little tiny guitar um but yeah i uh this is so great i'm i'm happy that we're able to just kind of sit down and do this and and this kind of impromptu kind of um was there anything else you wanted to like mention or i just want to say thank you for having me over oh absolutely Anytime. I'm I'm happy that you want to be over because it's Sven so great. Sven lives in the hundred acre wood. <laughs> I'll take five acre wood. <laughs> Let's just do that. It's all good. Um, but yeah. So Angie, thank you for coming on the show and talking about your song. Um, it's easier when you're here. I almost blanked. So um, off the album, let it ride. And you know, I I look forward and I hope that you get to write that happy song and you get to well i don't know whatever whatever your endeavors because sometimes if it's not making you happy or making you feel better then why why bother i agree you know that's that's my goal that's what i'm like putting out into the universe is let me write a happy song or something that will help other people yeah that sounds good. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Awesome. I love you. I love you too, Angie. <laughs> um, can I get you? Can I get you to read that like a couple times? Mm-hmm. I hope it's big enough, right? <laughs> thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Angie Heaton reminding you: great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Angie Heaton reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Go find it where you live. Yeah, go find it where you live. Go somewhere else and find it. (laughs) Go find it where you live, all right? Get out of my yard! Stupid kids! Thanks for listening to this. Now, 
an extra interview that I did with Kurt Bielma of episode 68 regarding the recording of Let It Ride. And also, let me just add, we just kind of chatted about Angie. So thanks, everybody. And check out all the stuff that Angie's done. Angie was a dear friend. I miss her so much. And I just want people to hear this part of her. And uh, so I really appreciate you all listening and hearing her stories. Thanks. One thing I wanted to talk about so I wouldn't forget, and it has to relate to basically both our topics of conversation. It has to do with my new stuff, and it has to do with my stuff with Angie Heaton. When we recorded Let It Ride, we recorded one song that didn't go on the record. And it was a song I wrote called Ready and Able. And Angie just really liked that song. I had I had done like a four-track version of it. I was pretty happy with it. But uh, she wanted to sing it and record it for an album. And we got it pretty far. And I don't know exactly why I pulled the plug on it. Besides like redoing some guitar parts, it was basically everything was ready to go. I think maybe just the weight of all the other songs and me moving to a different phase in my life it was the one we could drop most easily for space i didn't intend especially you know the beginning of 2020 how 2020 started was we were going to play a show at uh, the rose bowl we we're going to get the band back together angie on drums me and guitar charlie dold on bass and then that totally fell apart and it and then angie got sick and then Right. It just sort of like dropped off the radar completely. But I, I hadn't even really been thinking of that either. But this one day, I just was curious and see if mm-hmm. I could find like the old files because they were like buried on either a hard drive. I think I found some files on a hard drive, some files on a, like a CD backup I burned. So it was really kind of, I had to do a little detective work to get all the tracks together. But I was able to pull everything into the logic and figure out what the next step was. The next step is I asked Angie's parents if it was okay if I did this, if I put this song out on my record with Angie singing it, and they gave their blessing. Then the second thing I did was ask Josh Quirk if he wanted to play drums on it, and he said yes. So it's kind of the last song. Uh, Much like Angie's record, it's the last song we're working on. (laughs) Right. And it's almost done. I mean, I think there's just like maybe like a couple tweaks that I want to do, and then I'll send uh, or the whole project over to James. He kind of brings it into his environment and uses all this stuff. He has a lot nicer equipment than I do, so I'm really, really happy to have James involved. He's making it sound so much better than I could ever make it sound at home. But I wanted to talk about that, and that's going to be part of my space album that comes out on the 22nd. And I hope, once everyone hears it, that they'll think it was a good idea that I did it, and I think they will. You know when you sometimes get in front of people and you talk and you have these things that you want to talk about in mind, but then in the course of just sort of like talking, you forget about things or the conversation just kind of goes in one way and you kind of go with it, so you just kind of improvise. Well, that happened when I gave my sort of, before I played a song at Angie's Celebration of Life, I sort of had some things I wanted to talk about, but then I ended up kind of talking about something else and it was totally fine. The thing I wanted to talk about is just... Like once I got all old files loaded and kind of like in the right place in Logic, you could solo like Angie's track and you could hear, you know, just breathing. Wearing headphones, you can hear breathing and shuffling around because the mic is live and you can hear she's listening to the headphones of the song. She's kind of humming along and then she would sing her part and then after it she would, she would, 
So sometimes just go like under her breath, she'd say, fuck, fuck. Like real quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I wanted to talk about that at the thing, but I forgot about it. It's such a funny thing to listen to. Um, Because then, you know, then she's alive again. She's like, they're like breathing on you. You know, when I, I spoke with Angie... For the episode, she mentioned that she wouldn't have made it through the recording of the album if it wasn't for you spurning her on or encouraging her to get, yeah, get was, things going. It was a long process. Like I was talking about before, I was, I was, I was distracted. Um, I was taking classes at Parkland and I had a new girlfriend. That it took a long time, it didn't really bother me. It's funny how we'd sort of like establish like how the drums are going to go. The arrangement, Angie would record an acoustic guitar part. Sometimes she would do the vocals then, but then she went away. Then I would just build the song up, create some layered parts, add some more guitars, much the same way that I worked on the album I just completed. How did you meet Angie? How did you run into Angie? My first memory of Angie was we were at a roller rink in Camp Point, Illinois. I went there because there was a heavy metal band that played in this little roller rink with all the disco lights going. All the kids there were like high schoolers, like junior seniors, I guess. And the kids from Mount Sterling did not behave like the kids from Griggsville, where I grew up, (laughs) in a lot of different ways. It must have been the Catholic school that was there. But they loved to dance. That's the first time I remember seeing Angie was dancing to these heavy metal tunes. It actually wasn't a heavy metal tune. It was that song, I Will Follow by U2. Do you know that song? Yeah, yeah. But there's kind of like breakdown section and of course the heavy metal band's playing this and you know your eyes make a circle like i was dancing along i looked at angie and she was she was like kind of gesturing and then she pointed at me (laughs) 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 she made a circle with her hand two arms and then she pointed at me of course i could be remembering that totally wrong but that's a really early Angie Heaton memory. But that sounds like her. And, and the thing is, is that I always felt like she had a sense of people that nobody else. I, th- I, I think it was, wasn't, wasn't it Josh Quirk that said there's a puzzle that Angie could see that nobody else could see that the little parts that fit together mm-hmm. in such a weird way in almost an inexplicable way. I kind of envy you having the opportunity to kind of and it, it probably could have been frustrating as hell, but just having the opportunity to work on an album with her and like mm-hmm. construct it because something about her creative process always just fascinated me. How she can write something that was, uh, I, I mean, it, it seems so simple. Like a, a lot of the stuff that she did was so simple, but yet like, I don't know. It, it just, it, it always caught you by surprise three, at how- Three chords and the truth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She didn't need anything else. It was just like she was always going to be straightforward and lay it out. So. Yeah, and it was like there from the beginning too, sort of her like lyrical gift and melody. You know, her first album, there's some just great, great lyrics and great lines. And, you know, it's about her, her grandma and it's about her family and it's about the Camp Point roller rink. No, I guess that was on the second album. Was it? Yeah, Roller Skate was on the second album. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. that was about the Camp Point. Roller rink. Oh, okay. It's it's all Jolie coming Miller, together. Jolie Miller, I think, at the roller rink. <laughs> I love it. So what was the first song that you, you worked on? Mm, that would be really hard to sort of 
figure out i remember working on the song the first song in the album it's easier when you're here <laughs> we wanted to have this little drum intro but i don't know if people know but that whole album is like programmed drums much like what i did for the new record but this was old school programming where it was very laborious there wasn't an artificial intelligence helping you that probably took as much time as the rest you know the music part of it the drum programming part because Angie was really specific, too, about certain drum things that I would program in. She's like, no, I would never do that on the drums. And so we'd oh, take wow. it out. <laughs> it would be just like kind of like little proggy fills or a little like, you know, uh, quick little fills. And she's like, I would never do that. And Which is great. That's cool. But I remember that it's easier when you're here. We took, I, I had all these like f- MIDI files, like drum MIDI files. Uh-huh. And one of them... Or maybe it was like whole song MIDI files, but one of them was, oh, what's that Paul Simon song? Um, oh, that wasn't the one I was thinking. Jump on the bus, Gus. Okay. Make a new plan, Stan. Yeah. Don't need to be coy, Roy. What's that song called? I, I'm totally but that, But it's a, it's a drum part that starts that song. Uh-huh. And we took that drum part, reversed it in MIDI, and that, that's the beginning <laughs> no oh my gosh okay yeah yeah i think we might have changed a couple other things because it was you know just the way it's played is really kind of unique you know we may have not just reversed it we may have like copied some parts and then reversed some parts and um, it was all very like if you've ever done like midi programming it's just basically like you're moving squares on a page uh and each square represents a note in this case it was a drum hit oh that sounds rough (laughs) Yeah, I would never do it again. Never. <laughs> do you have a favorite song on on the Let It Ride or, you know, one that, that means something extra to you? You know, there's parts in every song I think I really like. Like the whole song of uh, Teach Me, I really like that. That You know what? I just remember that was the first song we did because it was for a comp and they just wanted one song. And so that was the first song we did. Actually, no. The first song we did together like that was Hard Candy Christmas. The Dolly Parton song. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> but then the next, next one was Teach Me. And that's one song that Angie gave me some, uh, I guess, freedom with the drums. Because there was a lot of like weird drum hits in that song that I just sort of threw together. And she, she liked it. And so we kept it. It's got to be hard to record a MIDI drum for someone who is a drummer. That's what she wanted to do. I think it was just like a possibility after Teach Me. She liked it so much that that sort of like... That was our paradigm for the album. So you don't necessarily have like a favorite song, like one that is like your... No, I think Teach Me. I think if, I, if I had to choose, I just think that song. Love the lyrics. I love uh, everything about that song. I like the guitar part's really fun to play. It has a crazy solo in it, a guitar solo. And it has, it's basically, you know, the same riff, if you will, throughout the song, but it changes. It's the same sort of like chord progression, but just by accentuating different parts of the chord changes during the song. Now I'm going to have to listen to that again. I guess beyond that album, is there like a favorite line from any of Angie's songs that you like the most? Don't bitch, we're bringing the Trans Am. Uh, yes. <laughs> There's a ton, but that one's like, uh, and it's so Angie, and it's just such a great it's a great line yeah but, but uh i will say like in this album there's so much of a sort of angie's influence on it you know when i started living with her in urbana 
we lived at this place right on Park Street, right across from uh, Crystal Lake Park, mm-hmm. and started living together just because I was working at the News Gazette and just needed a place to live. That wasn't my parents' house. So I lived with her. She would always bring me home music from Parasol, like all these like different CDs. She was always bringing home new music. And I remember she came and she gave me, like one of the first things she gave me was Pavement's album, Brighten the Corners. But Brighten the Corners, it was like a guitar album. There was just a lot going on that I hadn't really heard before that really I liked how they could go from just like picking out chords, like single notes until like completely like distorted craziness and then a lot of atonal stuff. That sort of resonated with me and it got, it sort of changed my musical direction. Think about things that change your life. I remember Angie giving me that one CD. Not that it changed my life, but it definitely changed what direction I was going with music or added to it. Maybe it didn't change it. Maybe it just added to it. I remember like seeing her at Parasol every once in a while and just being like, oh my gosh, that's Angie. Like, <laughs> yeah. She loved that. She did. Oh yeah. <laughs> I could see that. But she never gave the impression that you should treat her any different like she just was she was just angie Mm -hmm. you know and i think that that was one of the things that just because i'd seen her out and play and then you know ended up running into her parasol and then just casually starting a conversation with like you're angie heaton right you know and uh I i don't know like somehow that that brief encounter really ended up next time i came in she recognized me and started the conversation well she introduced you to me at a show at exile main street you were doing sound wow like at the old location right or exile new? main street no it was at the new one. Oh, okay yeah at the current one at the current yeah yeah i really would not have the appreciation or connection to the local music scene if it wasn't for angie she and she actually introduced me to ryan groff mm-hmm. um Eleni Moriades and I I think <laughs> my first charity show was those three people so mm-hmm. Angie Eleni and then Ryan Groff so mm-hmm. it was like that was that was what kind of started it and then yeah she was always um good at connecting people I think yeah the right kind of people Definitely. connecting people the right way yeah no <laughs> egg, egg, perfect um, how, how to say the same thing three different ways i mean isn't that what music is though mm-hmm. right like chord structure and then like, yeah how do i, say I guess i'm good at it you had one one other thing to say oh uh going back to angie bringing me home albums that in another album that really she brought home and it was a uh, elliot smith xo oh yeah and I, I was just playing a lot of acoustic at that time so and i was doing a lot of like lower tunings um, and alternate tunings and a lot of his music is, is uh, acoustics tuned low and i really like that Ugh, i i can't even quantify like the experience that was angie it's that weird duality of like she was so confident and yet so fragile at mm-hmm. some points that fragility was the part that made her so real she would resonate with how you were hurting and she would kind of grab that part of you and i don't know that that's always been like my experience and and honestly i wanted to say something at her 
her thing, but I could never, I'm, I'm, I'm not like somebody that tells stories and, mm-hmm. and like, I feel like yeah. everybody wanted to do stories and I was like, well, basically the only thing I wanted to say was like this podcast, my interaction with the local music scene would not exist without Angie. Mm-hmm. And then there was nothing, there is nothing in the world that was greater than when you would run into Angie mm-hmm. randomly and she'd be like, hello, darling. Mm-hmm. And in just, just the way that she would do it. And she, and I mean, she would put the biggest Southern drawl on it when, mm-hmm. when she really, y- you know, you could tell how excited she was by how much the drawl would come out. And it, it just, I mean. Yeah, it would come out at will. And it, uh, um, when we lived together, we went on a couple of like trips. We went down to Memphis once and we camped. I remember. You didn't say, oh, go ahead. No, I remember we had set our tent, but we didn't have any wood. And of course, it was pitch black. Of course, we didn't plan well to get there. And, you know, when it was daylight, we got there when it was dark. And so we got in the car and we started going around. It was like during the week, too. So the campground wasn't very full. And she kept, <laughs> we pull up beside a campground with a bunch of dudes sitting on it. Like, and she's like, she used her biggest, like, country girl accent. Like, where'd y'all get that wood? <laughs> I can't I can't. you know she'd be like hey watch out yeah, it was hilarious oh uh, that's perfect uh, I don't, yeah I could totally see <laughs> oh that's great oh man well yeah I'm, I'm glad I've gotten to say it. I like tell some of these stories because it kind of only exists like uh, with me for a lot of them, I guess. So nice to be able to talk about them because they're yeah. funny. They're super funny. Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Angie Heaton reminding you great music is out there. Go find it where you live. a wrap. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> studio South Beaker on the inside. <laughs>